You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Hey, what's up, everyone? I'm Matt McGacky, the vocalist of Cryptopsy and the host of the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast, where I sit down with fellow metal musicians, talk all about their lives and music while sharing killer craft beers. If you've ever wanted to sneak backstage and share a beer with one of your favorite musicians, well, Vox and Hops is the podcast for you. This week on the podcast, I dropped an amazing episode with Sarp Kesky of Bipolar Architecture. There's this episode and over 450 other ones to help you enjoy life, metal, and craft beer. So what are you waiting for? It's time to become a Vox and Hops head. Cheers! Okay, we're recording. And guess what? Also, um, I'm not going to do an intro. We're just going to go right into it. Okay. Today, because I have nothing to say for an intro. That's fine. You're going to need to help me. I just woke up and I'm really sleepy. Okay, so so maybe I'll do it like um, for now, I'll start it like a radio show. <laughs> yeah, like a morning zoo type so thing. So like, hey, what's up, everyone? Thanks for tuning in to 99.4 The Rock. Uh, I'm Joe and I'm the host of That's Awesome Podcast and we have with us the one, the only rock superstar, Sergio Medina. Sergio, how are you doing this morning? <laughs> I'm all right. Thank you. How are you? Was that good? That was good. It actually kind of got my heart racing a little bit. So it, it worked? Was, it was really weird. I think it might be the so coffee, you're in. though. No, yeah, no. I'm it was good. definitely I'm, what I did. I'm awake. Um, well, hey, man. Thanks for coming on so early. Of course. <laughs> Thank you for giving me a reason to wake up early. Yeah. I, you know I like doing that. Um, yeah, and you've inspired me to do something similar. I, I'm having a harder time waking up earlier and earlier, but I am waking up. Um, the key is, and this is something that you won't do, but it's to get really, really high at about eight. <laughs> I thought you were going to say something else, and I and I was about to interrupt you and go, "Way to believe in me," but you're right. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not going to smoke weed. Yeah, but that's the key because then you'll go to bed and. You'll wake up at five in the morning. No, here's what I have been doing though. I've been uh, putting my phone away from my arm's reach when that's I'm laying down. That's a good down. move. Uh, yeah, that's that has helped a lot. I fall asleep so much faster now because my I phone. I keep it. Do you put on Do Not Disturb? Um, no, but my phone already doesn't vibrate. It hasn't vibrated in there years because I turned off. That setting because I kept having these ghost vibrations in my in my. Did you ever have that where you'd have your yep. phone? Yeah, like you feel so, like you, you sometimes your pants like shift on your leg and it feels like a vibration. Feel, yeah, and you, so you pull your phone out to look at it and you have no no one calling yeah, or texting you. And so that. it's been a couple years and the f- ghost vibrations went away, but I was having them a lot, like I, I especially on tour. Um, anyway, yeah, I'm, that's I'm the worst. Awake. I put my phone under my pillow. When I sleep, what? And, but then it's yeah. still within arm's reach. But here's the thing. But I I get so comfortable that I don't want to move. And the other thing that I do that I probably shouldn't do, um, is that I have an easier time. And I know this is like goes against what you're supposed to do, but I have a much easier time falling asleep with my headphones in, listening to a podcast. 
Always. Interesting. I do some. I before I moved my phone away um, from my face, I was falling asleep with headphones and listening to Alan Watts, different Alan Watts lectures on YouTube. Yeah. Um, that were some of them are as long as two or three hours. Yeah. And yeah, uh, I put a sleep timer on so I it like turns off after a half an hour. So that way I don't get too far into it and I can resume it the next night. So that's like how I get through audiobooks. Oh, I didn't know that you could um, set a timer on your phone. To yeah, do it's that. pretty great. Yep. Well, you used to All right, dude. Apple. Well, thanks for coming on. Yeah, uh, dude. I'll see you later. Well, yeah, see ya. What do you actually want to start with? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. This is your podcast. I'll let you. All right. So here's what I want to do. I want to. We, we, so you've been on before. So for everyone that's listening now, Sergio has been on about 12 episodes ago or something like that. So it's been a few months. And I listened back to a little bit of it. And we're pretty much at the point in your musical journey um, where at least you're – we've covered everything that, that happened where bands have just kind of stopped. And now we're kind of at like, okay, now everything's happening and let's talk about the more recent history. Um, but before we get into that, I wanted to talk about your podcast, uh, why you're doing it. And uh, I actually finished listening to it this morning. And it's oh, really, yeah, it's really great. It's Thank super you. entertaining. And I'm actually like really invested in the story now. Um, <laughs> and I also laughed really, really hard out loud by myself on the street, like intensely hard this morning, walking back with my bagel. When you said, when you were talking about that guy, not being your dad. <laughs> and I had like a bagel in my mouth and like all these people were in their front yard, just looking at me walking down the street, like laughing to myself with like bagel and in like scallions coming out of my <laughs> mouth. Well, <clears throat> It's a podcast with my mom. It's me and my mom, and we're calling it um, Sergio Medina and Mama Cecilia. And um, she speaks Spanish through most of it, which I was going to ask you, did you have an easy time kind of understanding it after I would translate? Or I actually, uh, so this, I might, I may not be the best person to ask because... Do you understand Spanish to some well, degree? Well, I mean, to a degree. Like, Spanish was by far the only subject that came somewhat naturally to me towards, like, the end of high school. Mm -hmm. So, like, I can under... I under... I actually was pretty proud of myself for, like, actually <laughs> understanding a decent amount of it. But I didn't find it distracting or anything. Okay, cool. Um, well, yeah. So, the podcast, it's me and my mom, and she's telling her story um because she's she's had a really crazy life story yeah and um, i mean even just that first episode was pretty nuts yeah yeah she's gone through a lot and 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 it's weird i don't know how it is with your parents or if they'll tell you crazy stories and you'll be like that's fucking wild but to them it's like yeah well whatever it's kind of like it's my life i guess in some ways it's comparable to like let's say something crazy happens to us on tour and it was just a crazy story that happened to us on tour, but to somebody yeah. who doesn't tour, they might be like, whoa, that's kind of wild. Anyway. Yeah, I guess that's true. My mom just has a bunch of these stories that I'm like, I want to actually dig in and get a little bit more detail about what she what she went through and um, get it down on recording. 
Yeah, um, I think it's great. And it was and it was sparked by a number of health related issues she's been having this year that I right was like, man, I um, uh, you just never know how much time you have left with people, and it'd be nice to have an archive of stories actually um, recorded so that well, not only it's also like even outside of your personal relationship with it. I mean, there's multiple levels to this to it that I find really interesting i mean not to make it anything that it's not because i know it's it's you like can you make even it said whatever it in you the want. podcast that it's it's really for you mm-hmm. which i think is awesome but you know there's there's all sorts of levels to it with like you know her being an immigrant and the circumstances in which she was here and the people even that woman that right. she met or whatever you know like but I, it's it's kind of remarkable just like how quickly things just kind of fall into place and, and people just roll with them when you just kind of hear the stories. You yeah, know? it was, it was, it actually made my mom really happy to see some of these comments. Uh, Cause yeah, some people were posting about how um, it's nice to hear an immigrant story, stuff like that. People. Yeah. Kind of, it's, it's great. And, and you don't really, I mean, I know it's such like a huge thing in the news over the past four years or four or five years or whatever, but mm-hmm. you, it, it's, I mean, I listen to a lot of those like, short news podcasts like the new york times one, the daily and the mm-hmm. npr one and stuff like that and they always go into those like tiny little uh anecdotal stories that kind of share you know one person's experience with thing but this is really the first time that i can think of where i've really like this is going to be a whole series of episodes about one story so it it gets really in depth which i'm looking forward to yeah well thank you I- and, of course, uh, and and that's available only on Spotify right now, right? Yeah, but in the coming days, I've never released a podcast like this before, so mm-hmm. I am still kind of fumbling my way through it, and so I found out how to put it up, but on Spotify only, and I did this thing where I'm like, well, how do I spin this to make it look like it's, like it's, I don't know, so I just said it's a, a Spotify exclusive, which it really isn't. <laughs> um, it's it'll come out on all the other platforms, but Spotify is the first to um, to release podcast. For sure, I think it's great. How I'm many thinking. episodes are you planning on doing? Um, as many as time will allow me. Um, yeah, and so we're actually going to record one later today, and we'll probably release them weekly. Sweet. Um, so, do you know when the next one will come out? Because this this episode it that we're recording right now, I'm going to release it immediately when we're done. Okay. Um, yeah, my, the, the one I'm recording today with my mom probably won't come out till later this, uh, probably weekly. So the, the, the first episode came out this past Sunday, Mm -hmm. so I'll probably release one every Sunday. Well, I'm really looking forward to it and obviously wishing you and your family the best with, with all of that stuff. But I think it's really cool that you're, uh, you know, getting that stuff, documented and and not only for yourself i think it's i i know it's for you but right. i think no, there's value I, in it for everyone right you know yeah and that's the whole thing about actually making it a podcast because on that level now it's for everybody it's not just right. for me but um yeah to anybody that's willing to listen i'm i'm happy if if people listen to it and actually find some enjoyment or get something out of it but yeah well, we'll it, definitely, it, all really, uh, it all really started for me links. just Cool. Yeah, it just it all really just started for me wanting to get my mom's stories down and that's it. That's really where it Yeah. 
Well, it's good for you, dude. I think it's I think it's awesome, and uh, I'm looking forward to hearing more. And we'll share it when it goes out and everything. Well, thank you. Um, of course. Um, all right, let's move on to. Well, we'll try to pick up. Yeah, where we you, left off. Yeah, I don't even remember where that was. <laughs> I kind of tried to figure it out, but the thing is, the way that we talked in that last episode was so like it was all over the, the re- road. It was everywhere. Like we we moved around a lot in an hour and a half. So I'm I'm kind of I think I remember we we talked about CMVAR. We talked about um, you kind of jumping into to to Blue Swan, and now we're. I don't. I'm trying to remember if we really dove into Royal Coda or no, how that started or I I, Idola. I don't think we talked about Idola or no. Royal Coda at all. No, I don't think so. Yeah, and I think we intentionally stopped there because those are the oh well, Idola, Royal Coda, and Nova. We didn't talk about. Yeah, and those are like the three current things. So I think that was why we naturally stopped there. Yeah. Um, I'm sorry. This vi- I just got distracted again because this video of this guy getting his head waxed is just replaying <laughs> in silent on my computer right now, and now he's crying. <laughs> and he's like this giant bald dude, and he's having Why a terrible time. Why do you have it time. open? I, dude, I just I opened up Facebook for the first time today in I don't know a couple of weeks, and it's the first thing, and and it just reminded me immediately how I, I don't want to look at Facebook. Yeah. Did oh god, he is having the worst time. <laughs> it's really hard to watch. Gee, all right, I'm xing out of it. Oh, I accidentally made it bigger. Leave okay, it now, it's leave gone. It, leave it big. <laughs> Try to get through this podcast. I'm all just right. kidding. I hate so let's, at Facebook. I know it's awful. So, what came first out of those three bands, Royal Coda, Idola? Obviously, Nova was the last one. Um, I'm trying to think. I feel like Idola. Idola. Well, Idola came, existed long before you were. Yeah, but my playing. involvement with Idola, uh, I think, came around November of 2018. We were doing a Night of the Blue Swan, and they needed somebody to play. No, I joined Idola in November of 2017. So yeah, this was before Roll Coda. Um. Oh wow! I didn't realize it was that long ago. Yeah, but did you say Idola, November of 2017? Yeah, so um, so like three years ago. Yeah, uh, I was recording. Nuts. So before Royal Coda became a thing, it was a solo record I did, uh, right? Quote unquote. I don't know. I I was just feeling really anxious. I wanted I wanted to do something musically, and I felt like Stolas was kind of falling apart, and um. I was like, man, I just got to do something. And so I started, I went to um, Long Island to Voodoo and um, started recording songs. And I, it took me a little while, but then eventually I moved on to vocals and I went to go try recording vocals and I recorded vocals for the whole record. So the fir- there's a I version. I didn't know that. Yeah, there's a version of the Royal Coda record that has my vocals entirely, but it's not good. And so <laughs> I was getting mixes back and like, I don't know, with some studio magic, they were okay. Um, Watts was sending me mixes, but like somewhere around the third mix I got back. I was like, this is not good. I'm not going to release this. There's no way. And I started feeling all this, this um, 
anxiety about sunk cost. I'm like, I already spent money on this record and yeah. Um, fuck, how do I fix this? <laughs> and at one point for that solo record, um, I had different people thinking about like doing vocals at one point, Dan from, uh, equal vision gave me the idea to do like a sound of animals fighting thing. Where, right. Bunch of different people. Yeah. And so at one point I had like Carlo on a song, um, I had, Are these all recorded? Yeah, there's a version of a Royal Coda song with Carlo on the song. Um, and uh, I had a Corey and Kurt, and it was the first time they had been on recording since uh, a lot like Birds broke up, but then that one didn't mm. even end up panning out. Um, and Kurt and I just kind of agreed that he should be the singer. At first he said no, but he was going through – really rough time he was going through a divorce and um kind of this existential crisis whether or not he wanted to keep doing music right yeah and so at first he said no um and then a couple months later um when i was tra- after i had finished tracking um my vocals on it and feeling really bad about him i just tried one more time i was like hey man um i know we talked about this before but if you're not interested, that's totally fine. And he's like, hey, send me the songs again. And I sent him the songs, and he was like, dude, these songs are dope. I want to do this. And so... Um, Just like that. Yeah, but the reason why I told that story is because while I was tracking vocals in November of 2017, I got a call from Andrew, and he said, hey, uh, I totally need a guitar player. Do you want to do it? And... Said, oh, so yeah. you were right. You were already in process of recording Royal Coda, and when when Andrew called me about Idola, yeah, got it. And he that was just random. Yeah, so we had a Night of the Blue Swan. Uh, for those who don't know, uh, Night of the Blue Swan was a yearly event we would throw on in California, and um, we'd have all the Blue Swan bands play. And Idola was playing that one, and they needed a guitar player. Um, and so they called me, I think Andrew called me just to see if I wanted to play those shows. I don't think he asked me straight up if I wanted to join the band right then and there. Um, but although we both kind of knew it was headed in that direction, especially cause at that time I didn't really have a band. Um, Stolas was still around. Yeah, that's so weird to think about. I just was thinking about that. Yeah. Uh, it was kind of a, kind of a weird, rough, dark time. Because uh, I'm sitting there tracking vocals for a record that it, I I kind of know I'm like, dude, my I'm not, I'm just not I'm not that good at vocals, <laughs> and, and I and Stolas is falling apart, um, and not I I'm hesitant to 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 talk about it like that because it it wasn't with Carlo. I don't know. I just feel bad. I don't like it. I think I, you kind of talked about it before. Yeah, in private, I'm sure. But No, uh, I think we went over it on the, on the last episode. Well, I don't know. Basically, like our bass player had quit, and um, it was just down to the two of us, and that was a huge morale blow. Um, and so I felt like, oh, no, I got to find like right. something else to do. And so when Andrew called me, it really didn't feel like I had a band. Um and so I thought I should join Idola, but then 2018 ended up being like, cause that was November of 2017, 
2018 ended up being like my busiest touring year I think I've ever had. I was I I toured with every every band I had in the, in that year. Um, okay, what were those? What were the bands that you toured with that year? So in February it was Idola. In March it was Royal Coda. Because it, it was our, our our debut shows. I think um, I saw you on that tour. We played with Tillian later that year. Yeah. Oh, um, that was that year, later C- on that. CMVAR toured. Then we did. Um, so it was February, Idola, March, Royal Coda. Um, Maine to June was CNVAR opening for Dance Gavin Dance. Um, and then July, it was Stolas's last tour ever. It was our um, little two-week tour. Right, I remember that. That And I literally drove from Texas to basically Portland to record what ended up being the Royal Coda's Compassion right into a Royal Coda tour with Tillian and then um, Night of the Blue Swan that year. Um, right, and so, that was multiple days, wasn't it? Yeah. So it was just yeah. that that was I think my busiest touring year I've ever had. Yeah, that sounds like a lot. I think that's more than I've ever done. Right. Yeah. Uh, well, I don't know. You haven't had like a a year where you were just I mean back to back on tour. You're like only home for like a day or two and you're like, all right, I'll go back. Well, out. what the only times I can think of like Venetia Fair was always weird because we would stay out on the road for months at a time because mm-hmm. we would always do like multiple tours strung into each other like if we were going out on tour we would hit every every place in the country we could yeah and be gone for three months right so those were always different but i think maybe last year might have been with me because it was it was all ice nine right but they've kept you pretty busy that was busy and but then even Right after that was, remember I did the Ice Nine headliner, then to Australia, then I came back to LA and we did the Nova shows. Right. Yeah. And then we went to London. So in that time frame, I was gone for, and right before that, I was in Europe. So from September to January, pretty much I was away. So that was a lot. Actually, from July to January. Now that I well, think about it. January of this year? Yeah. Wouldn't you have been... From last year into, like, the very day there was a lockdown in Europe? Pretty much. It was, like, March we had a tour that ended in June. Then July we did, like, a two-and-a-half-week run. August we were off, but I had to come to L.A. for writing stuff. September we were in Europe through the beginning of October. Then end of October through November was the headliner. Then early December was Australia. Mm-hmm. Then mid-December was the thing for Nova. So yeah, it's pretty substantial, I guess. Yeah. Last year was pretty busy. Yeah, so I kind of had something similar going on in 2018. But it's yeah. weird that for me, I had started that year basically feeling like I didn't really have a band to playing in every band I had. Yeah. <laughs> It's weird how that happens. Yep. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that was a long-winded way on how to get to when Idola. I, yeah, when I started. With Idola. <laughs> so let's talk about Idola a little bit. Let's let's do it like this because it's, maybe this will keep us on schedule more too. Mm-hmm. Let's just focus Idola up until now, and then we'll go back and do Royal Coda. Okay. Up to now, 
Cool. And then we'll do Nova. Cool. By the way, you can't hear me drinking coffee, can you? Can no, you but I almost wish that uh, could you like make a slurp sound when you do? So it's kind of like, no, that's because you know, there's no camera and you know, on the TV shows, you can see the guests right. pick up the coffee cup and drink it. And I'm trying and to avoid that slurping part sound. I would like you to really exaggerate it though. All right, hold on. Here we go. <sighs> yeah. Is that good? That's good. All right, cool. That's good. Now you give yourself a second to, to think of answers to questions too. <laughs> Are you ever gonna? Are you ever gonna put video on your podcast? Are you ever? Are you- uh, yeah, I, I eventually want to do some stuff with it. I'm actually uh, outfitting my room right now with some lighting and camera stuff just to make it work. Cool. All right. Well. Yeah, we'll do it eventually. Yes. Um, Idola, is that where you want to start? Yeah. So, so you ended up playing those shows with Idola, mm-hmm. and then I don't, I don't really know that much. I mean, I know of Idola from before because you know i'm we met i met andrew when we met mm-hmm. on the cm bar tour uh because he was doing merch for you guys i think yeah <laughs> right yeah. um so i know andrew <laughs> but i don't really know like an insane amount about idola beyond you know your involvement knowing andrew i mean obviously i've heard the music and stuff but i don't know much of the history or or really anyone else in the band at all interesting um well i can tell you kind of how this all kind of got started for Idola and Andrew himself specifically, but um, we were on tour with Stolas in 2013 on our Living Creatures uh, album release tour. And so it was, I think, Stolas's third time on the road. And we played Salt Lake City and we um, were playing a place called Shred Shed. I don't think you ever, I don't mm-hmm. know if you ever played there. Yeah. Um, but Idola was opening, and at that point, um, I mean, Stolas. <sighs> I don't know. It was a small <laughs> show. I don't know how to how else to put it. How it, many people? I don't know, like twenty or thirty. Yeah. Okay. Um, but Idola was opening, and they had this crazy light show. Um, they like they had lights set up, and we're all like, "Well, that's crazy." They would set up all these lights, and. Um, my little brother watched them and I stepped outside to talk to the promoter. And so I only caught like the beginning of their set kind of. And then like, if that maybe even like not even their first song all the way through, I don't know, but I stepped out to talk to the promoter, but my little brother stayed and watched their entire set. And afterwards was Mm. like, dude, you missed out on like this great local band. And I was like, okay, I, well, that sucks. I was outside talking to the promoter, but <laughs> that's cool that you got to catch him. And he's like, yeah, can I trade one, uh living creature CD with them? And I was like, sure. And so I guess he like walked over. This is all my little brother. Uh, he traded a living creature CD for the great glass elephant, which was their first LP, which is, which, I have that. Yeah. It had just come out. Our records came out around the same time and we listened to it. We had to, from, the, from Salt Lake city, we had to drive back to Vegas and we listened to, we listened to that record the whole way through on that drive home. And we were all like, Holy shit. Like this band's awesome. And, and you know, the kind of 
the lore surrounding local band as a term. Like, it, yes, they're they're still trying to find their footing musically right. or whatever. I don't know. I, I'm trying to put it nicely because usually people bash on local bands. Um, I don't bash on vo- local bands, but I do. I I like to make genres for local bands. What do you mean? <laughs> like to me, there is a style of music called local, local metal. Okay, yeah, I know. That's what I mean by bash. I guess I don't know. We've. <sighs> it's just people trying to figure out figuring it out. I know. There's nothing wrong with it. No, there's nothing wrong with it at all. <laughs> I'm not trying to be negative about it, but there is a sound to to. Like you can, you can tell the bands that are about to break out of the local scenes, right? Okay, because they no longer sound like local metal. Okay, <laughs> yes. So thank you, because that that kind of gets me to where Idola was at this point. I'm like, this band isn't a local band. They don't have right. They don't. They're have... performing like a band that doesn't sound like a local band. Exactly. They, um, they had gotten to a level where I was like, this band needs some help. I don't know. I they they to help them get out of here, um, and. I uh, I think I sent a link to Will and was like, dude, we just played with this band from Salt Lake. Um, they were the local opener uh, and they killed it. I hadn't seen them, but I took my little brother's word for it. And the record sounded great. And Will's like, cool. Where did they do that record? Um, I don't know. They Somewhere in Utah. I think they hmm. did it at their practice space, which is a like a u-haul storage space converted into a practice facility like a it's like a storage facility where they just converted Hmm. have you ever seen one of those yeah yeah i think they did it by themselves or with somebody who helped them engineer it um so i sent the record to will and will's like this is dope i'm gonna sign idola and so he signed idola and and yeah. Isn't that crazy how stuff like that can just spiral into just like massive life changes? Well, for Andrew, yeah. I mean, he joined, yeah, he joined that's what I was thinking. and then became like it, right as that band started getting really successful again. Um, I mean, dude, I if I look back on things, right, like there are people that I can trace. Like I don't – I would not be in Ice Nine right now if I hadn't met you. Like no doubt in my mind. Hmm. Why? And it's not because you have any connection to Ice Nine. No, even. I know, but uh, I I look at it like this, right? Like I I think like when my band Venetia Fair toured that tour, the A Lot Like Birds tour, mm-hmm. right? I met you. I met Donnie. Um, really, I guess you two were like very influential in like my perception of the music industry Mm -hmm. because you're not you guys weren't just like dudes and bands you know like you had other shit going on and i was trying to do booking stuff and donnie was doing that so me and him hit it off and yeah brian i started working us uh industry moguls yeah like (laughs) but it's just like you're so involved in like so many different things that you know me becoming an agent and then um you know even going to shows with you and you would come through and meeting all those other people just made me more involved in music in general. Mm -hmm. And that's how I ended up talking more and more to Spencer was through like booking stuff. Yeah. 
And that's when we became closer and everything. So you can, I mean, I can even go back and trace it further back to other individuals that even led to you and me meeting. Mm -hmm. But it's interesting how you can like these tiny little moments that don't really mean anything when they're happening can turn into huge things. Yeah. Yeah. That's, it's weird that you've, you, you have that perspective because I feel the same. This is so lame to say, but it, 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 I felt the same way about you meeting somebody like you who I felt was above me in some way in music, like in the music industry. Cause I think when that's I, so stupid, well, when I first, met, <laughs> when I first met you, you were like, you, you, you Venetia Fair had done Warp Tour, I'm pretty sure. Uh, yeah, and we did. You guys had done, you guys, and you told me how you guys would like stand in line um, and sell CDs. And you're like, yeah, we sold like 10,000 copies of our first record. You weren't saying this to kind of brag. You were just telling me. Um, like the hustle. Yeah, that you you guys would stand in line at Warp Tour and like have headphones. Was it you that was telling me that you yeah, like, yeah. had CD yep. players playing your CD? We had um, MP3 players with like five splitters hooked up with them. So like 10 people could listen at once. Yeah. So which is really COVID friendly back then. And so when I hear stuff like that, I'm like, oh shit, I need to step in my game. So you meeting you was kind of like that for me. I was like, dude, I am not working. So you, you guys had a bass player that made all your fucking cabs. Like, yeah, I mean, we were definitely a unique band with that stuff for sure. But it didn't, you know, that's all that kind of stuff. And I appreciate you saying that and everything, but that's, that, that's, it's all like just different processes. You know I mean? It didn't really work. Well, it's, you know, it works for some people. I'm not saying I regret doing it, but that stuff, uh, that approach for us. It it, was the fact that you guys were trying and were doing things that, I don't know, that, that to me was unique. You guys had, you guys would make your own road cases and stuff and um, Mm -hmm. like, you guys had your own backline. You guys had this whole, I don't know if people, man, I don't know. Finish, I miss the Venetia Fair. I miss watching. Yeah, I guys. do too. But <laughs> it was crazy that you guys had, it felt like a fucking traveling circus. Um, and yeah, everything I, on stage looked like it was supposed to be there. Um, well, we were and, just real good at being on tour, I think. Yeah. So, but, and so when I saw that from you guys, I go, oh shit, I need to, we need to step up our game. Um, hmm. and, and interesting so meeting you is kind of like that for me is, is all I'm saying. Like, and that's why we're still friends. Yeah. We, we made each other better. <laughs> <laughs> um, um but, okay. <laughs> Take a coffee sip now. I, I already did. I'm oh, I didn't up. hear it though. So, I, I know. Cause I moved my, I moved my whole head away from the microphone, but I asked you to not do that. I, I hate that sound. Plus, all right, all right. Okay, I, okay. Okay, here's one side note that I'll, uh, band related. One time I was touring with Chiotos and I was drinking a Red Bull. And I remember this vividly because I got made fun of by Craig and, and, um, and Bradley, their keyboardist. Um, I took a sip of my Red Bull and I did that slurp sound. Not intentionally, I just did it. And they both looked at each other and then looked at me. And I think Craig was like, Do you hear that? And I just took another sip, and he's like, "Yeah, stop doing that." <laughs> oh wow! <laughs> I got grilled for that sound. That's really funny. Yeah. Um. Well, I like it. All right. Well, I don't. I know. I actually don't like it, but I want you to do it. 
because now I'm thinking about the the talk show thing, and I wish that I had a coffee cup with me too. Oh, thank. Oh, yeah. See, that's great. Um, okay. Um, so we really haven't gotten anywhere with this. So Idola, you join the band. Mm-hmm. Um, what happens next? We start working on a couple demos uh, for the album that is still unreleased. Um, we did a tour. I think it was Idola's first ever headliner, um, which did pretty well. And that was February of 2018, which was not as bad as the January tour we did um, in 2014, but it was still really cold. East Coast in February is still really cold. Yeah, um, it's very cold. And um, and then I, Idola hasn't toured since. We played Swanfest. Uh, Whoa, that's crazy. Yeah, Idola has only played one show. Um, in the last year and a half, no, almost two years. Wow. Mm -hmm. That's nuts. Um, have you been working on other stuff? Well, we have an unreleased album and right. And we are, I heard it. Have you? Yeah. When did you hear it? You sent me something. (laughs) Oh yeah. I don't know. Did I send you the music videos and all that stuff? No, no. Um, yeah, we have the, the whole record is ready. There's three music videos ready to go. There's, it's everything, everything you possibly could need before rollout, um, is ready to go. We're just in the process of this potential acquisition, um, that we're just inching closer and closer to, um, it's almost guaranteed to happen, but it hasn't happened yet. So I'm, I'm still hesitant to say, like, oh yeah, we won't. Just I don't know, but um, that's so some plans in the future, just not a concrete timeline. Not a concrete timeline, Mm -hmm. Um, but we wanted to have it out this year, and it's looking like that might not happen. Um, We should just extend. Maybe we should repeat this year. Um, like maybe the music industry redoes 2020. And everyone else can move on. <laughs> and we'll just redo it. Isn't this weird? This is, I think this is the first time in, in, in music industry history that this could this kind of last I think you're right. in time because the last time a major pandemic uh, happened in the, Yeah, there wasn't there, touring like this. Yeah, there wasn't like major acts. I don't even think a PA system existed. Hmm. Did a PA system exist? In, I don't in know. 1918, 1919. I'm gonna do a Google. Hold on. When? What does PA stand for? Uh, public addressing system. Uh, yeah, you're right. Public address system. Late 1920s, 1930s. So yeah, it wasn't. It didn't exist yet. Yeah. So. That's wild. You know what it was made for initially? No. Movie theaters. Interesting. I guess that makes sense. Huh. Yeah, so there's going to be this... I don't know. I don't know if you feel it. Do you feel like you're waiting around for this to, to come back, or do you feel like your life is kind of moving on in a, in a productive way? Oh, I'm, I'm totally waiting around. I mean, I have other shit going on, for sure, but everything that I've even been working on outside of, you know, immediately figuring out what's going on with touring is in preparation for when it 
starts happening again. Mm-hmm. So, which is- the, I, I think that there will be like, I, I do think that when things are good, like it's going to be nuts. Oh, I know. I think I actually had a dream about this last night and I only can remember it because I'm still really sleepy. Uh, I had a dream. We were playing chain reaction and it was sold out and it was like, they're like, Hey, since, since, uh, COVID just ended, we're letting more people in than normal. (laughs) (laughs) Not caring about the fire capacity. (laughs) It's dream logic, dream logic. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, we were playing, I don't even remember what band it was with. Um, but I had a dream. We were playing this like packed out 800 person show in a 400 person capacity (laughs) venue. Um, but, um, yeah, that's really weird. Um, one time, dude, when I was working at this, this is a tangent story. I was working at this venue in New Hampshire called Rocco's and we had a data remember come through mm -hmm. and it was right when a data remember started like popping off. It was probably like 2010 Mm -hmm. and they had absolutely no business being in our 250 cap room with no stage. Right. Like there was no reason for that. And I think we did cram about 500 people into that. Space. Jesus Christ. Yeah. It was insane. And that, that my boss was like, Hey, I need you to go do security in the pit. And I was like, no, <laughs> I'm 19 years old and I weigh 130 pounds. So no. Damn. <laughs> that reminds me of ha- me having the do security basically for the shows I used to put on at my parents' banquet hall. Ugh, it's but so it, crazy. Anyway, we veered off. Where are we? All right. So I well, we kind of just wrapped Idola, didn't we? Yeah, kind of. Um, yeah. We don't. We have a record. Don't know when it's going to come out, but it's one of my favorite records. And uh, yeah, it's pretty dope. It might be. The, it's pretty great. It'll be the guinea pig for whatever ends up happening with Blue Swan and this merger. Yep. That'll be exciting to watch. Yep. All right. Well, we'll stay posted on that one. Maybe I'll have you back on again when that comes out. Yeah, <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> All right. Well, let's go to next project then. Royal Coda, right? Yeah. So we already kind of started Royal Coda, that it started as kind of your brainchild. The songs are written mostly primarily by you, right, mm-hmm. at that point? Yeah. Um, Although I recently had this conversation with Carlo because some of the songs – Four out of the ten songs on the first record, I used some Carlo drum stems and uh, songs that I kind of built around his drums. Uh Um, Oh, you're yawning. You're sleepy too. No, I'm not yawning. I'm sorry. My my jaw hurts because of the TMJ stuff and I was stretching it. Oh, okay. (laughs) Does TMJ literally stand for too much jaw? No, that's just what I call it. Oh, okay. And I have you, no idea what it stands for. I don't either, but someone else recently... It just really hurts. Oh, well, I'm sorry. It's um, all good. Anyway, yeah, the first Royal Coda record started as kind of... Um, it was born out of a necessity to just keep myself busy, um, mm-hmm. which is probably not the best way to create, but... Um, eh. A lot... Uh, Four. I went there with about four songs, and then the rest I wrote in the studio with um, my friend Dom, Dominic Nastasi, uh, kind of engineering and kind of giving me. He 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 produced it basically, hmm. um, but I wrote a lot of that stuff in the studio. Um, I think I was still writing up until the day Joe flew into 
to record drums. Uh, but yeah, Joe initially just thought that he was playing on my solo record. On the album. Yeah, he, he wasn't going to join a band or anything. Um, but Rokota had this weird timing where um, <laughs> I needed a band, Kurt needed a band, and Joe at that point had just quit um, A Lot Like Birds. I don't think it had mm. been announced yet, but Joe also was basically bandless. He was playing in the Amity Affliction, but then the Amity That's right. But then the Amity Affliction hired somebody who uh was their friend, like a drummer that they knew a little bit better personally. Uh-huh. Um and so Joe was left without a, a job. And I just remember like going on Instagram one day and seeing Joe playing with a bunch of pyro around yeah, him. Yeah, that was and a, I was like, what the fuck that was is enough, happening yeah, here? Yeah, he was in Australia doing that. <laughs> um Yeah, and uh so he was left without a band. And so um <laughs> well, Coda was kind of born out of all these bandless people at that time. A bunch of um, dudes that didn't know what else to do. Yeah. And Kurt was trying to get back into the swing of things because he had been out of a band for a while and was just doing solo stuff. Mm-hmm. Um and yeah, and Royal Coda just took kind of a wild turn um, in in every aspect. It happened really fast, I felt like. Yeah, it did. And um, so we had Jason Ellis play bass, who played bass on Happiness, uh, which was DGD's, uh, I think, the bigger record mm-hmm. with Kurt. Mm-hmm. And um, like that was a pretty uh, cool move for us. And it was great playing with Jason. And then um, and we had Thomas Iraq from the Fall of Troy join us for a little bit. Um, yeah, that's when I met Thomas, too. Yeah. When you, you guys stayed at my house. Yeah, and you told the little green man joke. I did? Yeah, and then you told the other one, which I won't repeat, but it's the one that got you kicked out of that party. Right. Um <laughs> And we ate uh, ramen. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. All these weird things started happening with with Rokota really fast. Um, what was the first tour you guys did? We did a tour. The uh, Rokota's very first tour, I think, was with Tillian. We that was the f- first one that I went to. Yeah, our first shows were just two shows in California, and that was in March of 2018. Um, I think. Um, we just played Sacramento and we played Chain Reaction. Um, those were like our two debut shows. And then, um, yeah, and then like a couple weeks after that, Donnie was like, hey, uh, I'm booking a tour for Tillian and uh, he needs a direct support. Is Royal Code interested? And we are like, yeah, let's do it. Um, so it's our, not a bad first tour. No, no. And um, yeah, Royal Code just started to pick up steam real fast and um, – within like a couple months of each other with not even within like within like a month I went from having Thomas in the band to Will wanting to be in the band um <laughs> and so um yeah just and and it all happened without much effort on my part um this is kind of a like a zen kind of way of looking at it but um, I mean, I don't think that's entirely true, though, because the effort was put in. Like I said, like we were kind of talking about before, it's not like 
the immediate thing that happened. It's the years before it. True. And- but here, here's why I say it's kind of like a Zen thing. Royal Code has been this band where I, I put very little effort into in terms of how hard I'm trying. Like, mm-hmm. um, I'm trying to think of a, an example I can compare it to. Like with Stolas, I was trying really hard, really, really hard. Um, in every aspect but don't isn't it isn't it mostly or i feel like it's now just that one you're older in in two you're with a group of people that have all had their own individual experiences doing things maybe making mistakes and doing things the right way that just kind of it's just like a work smarter not harder situation uh yes yeah but the reason why i'll stick to this feeling of of it doing well or it doing better than my other projects without me trying mm-hmm. is because I do feel like I put, I don't stress about it so much anymore. Right. Um, I just kind of let it, I kind of let it be. And without my uh, interfe- constant interference, like I felt like Stolas had, mm-hmm. um, it doesn't get it's less stressful. Yeah. It's less stressful and it's not, um, I don't know. It's not muddled. I don't know. I just always think of this fucking quote, which might not even correlate, but in my sleepy brain right now, I think of um, the quote, muddy, muddy water is best, is best cleared when left alone. Um, and I just, Royal Code has been this project that I just kind of leave alone. I don't really, I don't know. I don't. It just goes. Yeah, it just goes. I don't know how else to put it. That's the best one, um, best kind. Yeah. And uh, hmm. so Royal Code has had a lot of that. So then, so the group kind of is, it, we, that's when the, the lineup kind of solidified was when Will joined. Uh, yes. Yeah. Got it. Um, we had Jason Ellis, who I loved as, right. not only as a musician, but as a person, great, great dude. Um, but he, music was something that he, I, at that time just couldn't commit to. Um, we had some tours planned. We had, um, we had a we had a whole record planned and a music video, and he just um, couldn't commit to that kind of stuff and mm-hmm. wanted his his life to go in a different direction. So, um, the the transition between bass players was super smooth. Our head, we already knew who we wanted, and uh, that's Stefan, who plays for us now. Who I have not met. You haven't met Stefan? No, but you told me the story about Stefan. Yeah, he was. Uh, I'll tell his story quickly. Yeah, uh, he's just one of those dudes that. Um, was just persistent in his grind and, and hustling and, and trying to get people's attention. Um, not only is he super skilled at playing bass and uh, an incredible musician, but he, like, I, I have this message he sent me on Facebook where he's like, just saying, Hey, I know I've pestered you, but I just want you to know, like, um, I'll work for you. Like I'll, I'll do anything. Like I'll, I'll work for peanuts, that kind of thing like that. Just like hustling that, that, that mentality of like getting his foot in the door. Yeah. And, um, I recently resent it to him because I'm like, look, look where you look where you doing this, uh, got you like you're you're now playing our band. And, um, and yeah, so, um, that was, that was quick. Um, where we're like, we should get that dude. He's great. That was just how, how long were you without a bass player? Like a day, not even. That's crazy. <laughs> the very if you watch the Royal Code of Music video um, for Numbing Agent, that's the first time the five of us were in a room together. Um, that's nuts. Yeah, we had before that we had never played. We just 
um, we're like, all right, if you're going to be our bass player, you got to be in this music video. And he's like, all right, I'll fly out. And he was was there ever a, a time where you wanted to just like, because you've been in th- many different bands with with member changes across the board in every position, mm-hmm. pretty much. Like, have you ever just wanted to move forward without replacing someone and just having touring members? Um, well, that's kind of the idea for Nova. I guess that's true. That mean, but that wasn't like out of necessity. That was how it was created. Yeah, but it was created be, uh, for that very reason. Um, because so, you knew that we're gonna we're all gonna quit at some point, or <laughs> you couldn't do a tour because you had other uh, obligations. Right, 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 um, right. But I mean, I there's, I mean, right now, I don't think about it too much because of COVID and touring is obviously a factor, but. I'm always like, man, wouldn't it be cool to actually solidify like a full Nova Charisma back uh, back line um, uh, group yeah, lineup? Yeah, yeah. I don't know. There's there's uh, there's part of me that loves the idea of just like just having because you know I I don't know if this has been your experience, but there is like definitely at least in every band I've been in, people have after a certain amount of time either self-defined or had it really clearly obvious of what their role in the group is mm-hmm. as far as every actually really on any aspect like whether it comes to writing promotion touring maintenance stuff like the business side of things mm-hmm. like everyone has kind of fallen into place into like a role and it's kind of known but and i think that works really well when people, I don't, I, I'm not exactly sure where I'm going with this, but I think, I think like yeah. when everyone has that role yeah. or whatever, you kind of identify the people that need to be there because their role is unable to be filled by someone else. Yeah. I get what you're saying. And people that there's can, no ambiguity can have about their roles position. Yeah. Right. Right. And there's a, there's an element to like, okay, look like for, for, um, this, this band, like this, these two dudes or this dude writes the music. They are indispensable. The band cannot exist without them, mm-hmm. the style that they write or whatever. And then this dude, as important as they are, is figuring out, I don't know, van maintenance and <laughs> banking information and shit like that, which is a hundred percent as important, mm-hmm. but not exclusively their job. Yeah. Right. Do you know what I mean? Does that make sense? Yeah, it, it makes sense. Um, an example that comes to mind, um, weirdly, because I, I, I don't think about that stuff too much. Aside from the music stuff, everything else gets kind of taken care of. But uh, have you ever heard of the band Black Map? No. Uh, well, the, their drummer, it's the guitar player from Dredge. Um, oh, I really like Dredge. And, yeah, I love Dredge. And their, their drummer uh, used to play in a band called Far out of Sacramento. I love far really i'm obsessed with that band nice. and um and i that's think- why i started booking jonah matronga like a few a few years ago because he was a singer mm. and, well the drummer of far also played in a they like i guess they lived with the guys from deftones and anyway but um he plays in a band called black black map now and uh, he's their lawyer like he's an actual lawyer the drummer Hmm. Um, and he, and he, that's the role he plays in that band. Like any, anytime they get a contract, he's the right. one that reads it and stuff like that. And when I met him and talked to him about that stuff, I thought that was really cool. Cause he, that was his role. He's like, yeah, I don't, right. I don't do any of the booking. I don't do it. 
blah, blah, blah. But I am the lawyer and I, um, anyway, but yeah, so I get what you're saying where, um, band members. I mean, ice nine is the perfect example of it really in that, you know, in, in what way everyone, I mean, this band, it, it really, if I'm being a hundred percent honest with you and I'm okay with it, everyone is pretty replaceable except for Spencer. Right. Okay. Yeah. I, I right? knew that's where you were getting at. I just didn't know if that's something you wanted to say. Oh, I don't care. That's fine. I mean, dude, I play bass. <laughs> yeah, but you also wear makeup. And, yeah, and- <laughs> you're right. <laughs> I'm glad that's what I'm. I, those are the two things I bring to the table. No, I'm kidding. I, but it's cool that um, I, I do like that because you're right. In Ice Nine, anybody's replaceable if they just have to wear makeup. They're just going to look like the dude they replaced. Right. I mean, and there's other things to be said about like, you know, as bands get bigger and stuff, it becomes easier and easier to replace people with professional people that know their role and aren't going to overstep their bounds. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like we we're, we have like a very well-functioning machine right now because of that. Right. But it's great. With Nova, I guess uh, to loop it back. Oh yeah, we went off hard. I I think with Nova, part of me kind of craves for more collaboration um, from you. No, yeah, and, of course. And I, uh, it doesn't mean that that can't happen, though. It's just no, like, I know. on paper, you know. I know. I think I'm. I mean, touring put a halt in all of our stuff, but um, I don't know. Those shows we did about a year ago now I was like, this feels cool. This is like a. Band. It does. Well, um, let's let's go into Nova. Okay. Where do you want yeah. to start? Well, I think you should start. I, I don't really know, like, the inception of it that much. Like, I know it was born out of... Well, I do. Like, I just Donnie I don't know of. if Donnie would be <laughs> happy with me telling the... the, the, the um, oh, I think I kind of know. The unadulterated... Well, don't. <laughs> just tell, like, where how it started, you know? <laughs> I mean, it came from the ashes of other bands. Yes, the Envar broke up. and uh, Right. And, um, and you guys wanted to do something else. We wanted to do something where it was just us two and the, the business of it was structured so that there wasn't a component in the band that could eventually lead to its demise. Um, Mm -hmm. by that, I mean like members leaving. um, Right. And I mean, because not for nothing that your, your guys' scene is pretty notorious for members. Just, I know, (laughs) swapping around and joining and leaving and then rejoining a new band but all the same people are in it i know one day i'm gonna have (laughs) i'm gonna have a blue swan orchestra one day dude you could join any band right now of people uh, of like your circle and you have already been in bands with every single person (laughs) (laughs) dude that's not a good thing I don't think it's a bad thing. It's not good. I don't. Well, it's not a bad thing. You're right. I don't know. But, I think it's kind of cool. Um, it's cool if we succeeded in creating original music. It, and by original, I mean um, from separate from the other projects. Like Royal Coda, hopefully, doesn't sound right. like a lot like Birds, uh, Stolas, or any of any. That's what I kind of mean. I, I know I'm 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 hyper aware of where I stand. Yeah. Um, and how this music sounds. Um, yeah. I mean, in, 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 for what it's worth, I, I think like, you know, your genre or like the scene that, or that space in the, in that scene that's been carved out for a lot of the bands 
that you that are in your circle um i don't think it's like i mean there's definitely a style to it but it's not like it's it's we it's always been weird to me when people when people put labels on styles of music that don't need it Mm -hmm. and what i mean by that is like this whole like quote unquote swan core movement Mm -hmm. is interesting because people will say oh well you know royal coda they're they just you know that that sounds like dgd or i don't i don't know if people say that i'm just they do saying shit but but it's will okay so people will say that but but the thing that's so weird about it is that there are hundreds of other bands that sound way closer to each other way closer to each other that uh, no one will okay. ever make those comparisons to i see what you're saying right like here another one was like it always frustrated me that venetia fair always would get compared foxy. to foxy shazam right. and it's not because i didn't i love foxy shazam and they did influence venetia fair mm-hmm. but we don't sound like that band yeah like foxy shazam played everything in a major key we n- never wrote in a major key uh, yeah mm-hmm. right like we were way more and, and like you know that's i don't want to go far into that but it's just interesting when people would put labels on like a genre or a subgenre and then start like critically tearing those bands apart that they started comparing to each other mm-hmm. which didn't really even need to be compared yeah i <sighs> i mean dude you go on the radio like if you turn on active rock radio right now it, it all could be the same band yeah well right i always think of it from my dad's perspective who, um, while he's the most supportive dude, he tells me straight up, he's like, yeah, all your bands sound the same to me. <laughs> I mean, and I get that because it's not part of the scene, but when people are in the scene doing it. Right. Yeah. That's different. I know. Like, I can understand how someone would be like, oh, uh, that band Goat Whore <laughs> sounds a lot like The Devil Wears Prada because they're both screaming. Right. Right. Like I get that from people that don't listen to that style of music. But if you are even exposed to just like a few albums that are different, that are heavy music, you can easily hear like drastic differences between them. Mm-hmm. So from from the outside, I understand it more than yeah. inside. I just think of that every time I'm, I'm, I don't know, when I'm writing music, like we just wrote a new Real Coda record and... Um, I think it's a solid blend of the first and second record that we have. But in my head, I always kind of think, fuck, how do I get away from um, this saying that my dad mm-hmm. has about the bands I play in? And in a way, I don't think it, it's escapable just given the nature of, of who I'm playing with. Um, I mean, Joe and I played in Cian Bar and um, Kurt and Joe played together in All Like Birds. And so, um, and then Will and and curtain dgd so yeah it, of course there's gonna be um some sonic um what would you call it similarities yeah I guess. sonic similarities and especially to my dad someone like my dad or somebody who's not familiar with this type of music they're gonna be like all oh, this stuff just sounds the same uh, right and that kind of eats not eats away at me but it, I, I'd be lying if I said it didn't bug me. Um, and it only. I think every musician struggles with that. I struggle with it just because I want to. It, it's not so much like I care about people thinking that it, all these bands sound the same. I care about it because I want to make something. At the end of the day, I want to make something that sounds original or new 
or because there's this quote where um where it's like by definition being creative means going places that other creative people haven't gone to um and hmm. if you're going to the same places musically or just artistically in general if you're going to the same places by definition that's not creative that's not creativity you've already you're just mm-hmm. going to the same places that other people have gone um and so every time i sit down to write something and i feel like i'm stepping a little bit away from where i've already been i'm like cool i know this is a good direction but um i i get very self-conscious about that actually um well i mean i feel like you've been I mean, even stuff that you've sent me, like just stuff you've been demoing out, like you can easily show your, uh, uh, what's the word? You don't have to blow smoke. Diversity. Yeah. I'm not. I'm not. <laughs> like you, I mean, dude, I don't think people would be, I think people would be surprised to hear how much you love like John Stevens and shit. Like that's nothing like the stuff that you play. Yeah. You know? I, I don't know if you feel the same way, but I'm, I'm sure you do. Because I don't think you listen to the, the type of music that Ice Nine Kill is. I no, I don't really listen to much heavy music at all. Yeah, I don't listen to much post-hardcore music. I don't listen to much music at all lately, actually. Um, and that's not... I'm not saying that in kind of like a sad way. I just don't find... I find myself listening to a lot more podcasts lately than than I do put, like wanting to reach for Spotify yeah. and putting on music. Um, yeah, I wonder if that is just also a product of... Uh... The current times. I think it is. I, I feel like I've yeah. talked to a few people that feel the same way. Yeah, because I've been doing the same thing. But, um, and especially because mm. a lot of it's news related. I listen to a lot of right. news related. Me too. Current podcast. Me too. By the way, yeah. the one you sent me yesterday, I listened to it this morning. It's, it's the Sam excellent. Harris one. Yeah. It is perfect. I, yeah, uh, it's excellent. <laughs> we don't have to go into that. Cause it, yeah, <laughs> that's probably dangerous ground. On, yeah. On this, well, and it shouldn't be. That's the problem. It shouldn't be. No, dangerous I know. To, it's really, we should be able to have. Yeah. Uh, do you know who um, Michael Sandel is? No, I do not. Oh, he he was also on Sam Harris's podcast, and he was. Oh like, wait, no, I I know who that is. Yeah, I he, absolutely know he who that just is. Just talked yeah. about how civil discourse is just not a thing. Um, right, he's that uh, philosopher guy. Yeah, he teaches uh, at Harvard, Harvard yes. or something, yeah, right? Yeah. yeah, and um, it sucks because I, I, it should be easy for us to just try to start having a conversation about our current state without pissing somebody off, and yeah, we can't. I think that'll change, or at least I hope I it will. I'm scared that it won't. I think it's just getting worse. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but hopefully we turn a corner. Who knows? We'll see. Um, I'm being optimistic. I want to be optimistic too, because I, um, pessimism does not get me through the day. Mm-mm. Um, okay, well, let's go back to Nova. Okay. So Nova, <laughs> <laughs> so Nova started out of the ashes of other bands. Um, and what was the what was like the uh, philosophy for Nova when you kind of started it? <sighs> Not being, not relying on anybody but uh, the two people that were involved. So me mm-hmm. relying on Donnie, Donnie relying on me. That kind of right in, in in the business and musical aspect. Although, and you guys wrote pretty fucking quickly. Yeah. Well, we flew to London. Um, we wanted to start. Man, we. I mean, that's why we. The last show 
I played was in January of this year in London, but the idea was to kind of start um, somewhere that wasn't in the United States. It's super weird, but we were like, let's just try to start a band, but let's try to start writing in Europe. Like, let's go to, let's go to England. And, and so we went out there, we went, we rented an Airbnb and we started writing on my computer, just a little demo station that I flew out with. Um, we borrowed gear. Um, there was a man, I, I feel so bad cause I'm blanking on his name, but, um, we just put it out on Instagram. Hey, does anybody in London have a bass and a guitar that we could borrow? And, and so we borrowed some instruments and, uh, just started writing out there and we got like, we got Hoxton, which is a song that, um, we wrote in Hoxton mm-hmm. um, and we got, we got like three other songs that ended up um, being kind of spread out across the, our first EPs. Um, but yeah, that it was kind of, um, that's kind of where we wanted to start. We're like, let's just leave the country to start this for <laughs> that, that's, that's really what we wanted to do. We, I, I think. We, and that was like, that was like a, uh, two years ago this upcoming january is that right yeah yeah um january 24th 2019 that's when uh that was our flight to london and then we were in london like exactly a year yes from yeah then. that we when playing shows we played in hawks or we played in shortage which is where we stayed we literally played at a venue uh down the street from where we'd stayed um, yeah, that's and, super cool. And we kind of did that a little bit on purpose. Um, I don't know. I mean, for a year to be able to in, in a year being able to do that is pretty cool. Like we we did not only that London show, but the shows we played before. Right, we, California, Texas, New York. What else? New York, Boston, Chicago. Yeah, and all Damn, those shows and were fun. Were, they were amazing I, for first shows. Yeah, I think Nova did better at Chain Reaction for that show than I think CMVAR ever did at Chain Reaction. That's so um, crazy. Not that it's a competition or anything. It's just crazy that our very first show ever um, drew. Well, those shows in general just drew that many people. Um, that was fun. It was fun, but it was super fucking stressful. I'm never doing that again. Uh, <laughs> I would do it again. <laughs> here's what I won't I would absolutely do Here's what again. I won't do again. I will never fly to a venue and not know what amp I'm going to play. <laughs> That's what sucked about it. Every day I'm like, Do you remember the 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 drum stuff was a pain in the ass too? I know too. that yeah, that sucked. And um I don't want to be negative about I it. I liked it just because I had come off of the Ice 9 headliner and then Australia and going right into these where it was like just I know it was more stressful, but it was just totally more like lax yeah. at the same time. No, I know. I mean coming from what I was coming from. Right. You know? I think I and and uh, we just hung out a lot and it was super fun and yeah. no one wanted to go do other stuff other than just like hang out. Right. It, it for me it was just stressful gear wise. But aside from that, everything was fine. Like nothing else bothered me. The fact that we had to like Uber everywhere with our gear. We had to buy Uber Excel Uber XLs to fit all our two Uber Ugh. big Uber vans so we could fit all our gear from venue to the hotel to airport yeah. for six days in a row and we literally slept like three hours a night yeah. for that entire week yeah um that doesn't bug me it just sucks when 
you get to a oh, venue. That bo- that's the thing that bothers me. No, I, I don't need mind. sleep. I don't. If if I know it's going to be a set time frame that I'm not going to sleep, and then at the end of it, have like a light at the end of the tunnel where I'm like, all right, I only have to do this for a week, and then I'm fine. Um, then I can handle it. Um, mm, I don't know. But <laughs> a week is a long time. Yeah. Well, yeah. But um, they were fun. Yeah, it was. That was almost a year. So, ago. all right. Well, let's. So, so Nova released. Oh, let's talk about the releases because I think it's kind of oh, unique. Oh, yeah. Um, well, the first one we recorded with Brian McTurnan, um, who recorded uh, the first two Circus Survive records. He did Thrice. Um, mm, he's done everything. He's done a lot of stuff. Um, and it was his first, he took like a, a, he took a four year break from recording bands. And I think we were like the second band we were. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. He took, he took four years off. Um, and so I think we got him at a really good time. And so we did exhibition one with him. Um, and side note, I just heard on a podcast with him where he mixed our first EP with no plugins, he did all outboard gear. Um, Whoa! Yeah, no plugins on anything. Um, what? Yeah, isn't that crazy? Um, anyway, so that's insane. Yeah, uh, it's really cool because that that um that I what podcast was that on? Um, was that Pure Pleasure? I think it's called Mastering Your Mix or something like that. Oh, oh, nail the mix or something, the, something. One of those. I I forget what yeah. it was called, but. Um, yeah, just type in Brian McTurnan on Spotify and you should be able to find it. Because um, I know he was recently on one of our, uh, one of the other podcasts on our network. Yeah. Um, but yeah. So that was done with him, the first one. And then Exposition 2, which you were heavily involved with, was um, at Voodoo uh, in Long Island with Mike Watts. Mm-hmm. And then um, Exposition 3 was done with Chris Crummett. And they were all back to back. So we were flying for like seven weeks back to back. Right. Um, LA to Baltimore, Baltimore to LA, LA to Long Island, Long Island and Portland. Um, and, and Carlo is with you for all yes, those too. Yeah. Carlo played drums on all of them. And he, we wrote in the studio several times because we, um, there was one song that when we went to go do it with Crummit, I was kind of the asshole in this situation, but I was like, dude, I said, I didn't want to do the song. We didn't want to do it. I didn't want to do a song. And so we had to write, we wrote one in the studio. Um, but yeah, wait, 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 there, you, there was a song that you were recording that you didn't want to do it. Yeah. So we pre-proed a song and I didn't like it. I didn't think it was strong. I, um, I just didn't think it was a good song. Got it. And so I wanted to scrap it. And I think Carlo and Donnie thought that they could either, um, I don't know what they thought where they, we were just weasel around. Yeah. yeah, And that they were just, we were just going to do it anyway. But when we got to the studio, I kind of stuck my ground or like stood my ground and, um, was firm on the decision that I didn't want to do that song. And so, Crummit gave us like three hours to write a new one, and we wrote a new one. Which one was that? Um, it was the working title was Maroon, but I I think on the record, ah. the record is called Float Up, Stay There. See, I don't know those titles. I only know the working titles. Yes, it's, me too. I, I still go by the working titles for most of them. 
Um, mm. There's a band called The Working Title that I really liked back in the day. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> all right. Well, that brings us up to kind of now-ish. Yeah. Uh, right? Um, so what can we talk about moving forward with Nova? Well, I we have a whole record written. Yeah. Uh, I actually was just tweaking one of the mixes because I, I, de- I pre-pro all of our stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah. And we... We have a whole record written. It's like, but it's just kind 10, of a 11. TBA. Yeah, um, we have a single that's been recorded. Um, we have plans for. Um, I'm sure I can talk about this, but as you know, we did some reimagined versions with you, where we took mm-hmm. a song from each EP, and kind of did a different rendition of it. Actually, you did it. I didn't have any hand. <laughs> <laughs> you and Donnie did them. See, this is what, I'm really excited to get those. Me uh, too, because it. Out. I like that I I could I stepped away musically from that. Like that was completely born from your brain instrumentally. Um, well, I think that's cool for like a reimagined thing to just have a different right. But that's take. That's on what it, I mean know? by like I wish it was an actual band with more people with you you involved because Carlos already heavily involved. These mm-hmm. songs wouldn't exist without Carlo. But I, I mean, I can write with you guys no, too. I know. That's not what I mean. Yeah. I, but you know what I mean. Yeah. You just mean more of the camaraderie around right. it too and stuff. Yeah. Which I love. Like, I, I like that too. But, um, so that, um, so we have that plus a single that we recorded, uh, in July. And then we have just 10 songs just sitting there, uh, just waiting. Just waiting. And- yeah. For people, I don't know if people know that much about that. Like, with, covid happening and everything how many bands are just kind of sitting on shit yeah and just not knowing dude i'm sitting on three the records. best timeline right like because there's just no timeline to when because i mean for for when you release an album right like when bands strategize album releases they they have a timeline and a plan after the release mm-hmm. for what's going to happen to promote it and touring. it always involves heavy touring yes. Right, because that's how you get your name out there a bunch more. People start seeing it a ton. They start seeing that you have a new album out, and blah 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 blah. Right, um, but you can't do that right now. So bands are sitting on. Fi- I was just talking to this dude yesterday that um, had an album that was supposed to be released at the end of March this past year, <laughs> uh-huh. and then once everything locked down the label tabled it uh-huh. and it's still sitting there and they've already recorded another album. Yeah. So they have two releases just ready to go. I, yeah. It's crazy. I'm sitting on a Royal Coda record, an Idola record and a Nova record. Mm-hmm. Um, well, it will be fun when you get to release everything. Yeah, it will be, but and, and I'm have to relearn how to play all the songs. I'm not um, impatient about it. I, I don't know. I I'm a, I'm getting a little impatient. I I feel like I'm veering off a little bit more into the well. Fuck! What else do I do with my life now? Um, even though mm. my life is still heavily, it still heavily revolves around music. I think right now, as you know, just with the whole family situation. But um, right, right, that makes. I'm sense. in a. I'm in, I'm kind of despondent to anything that's not uh, immediate family health. Right, right, um, right, 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 and well-being in general. I think that, mm-hmm. of course, my mind will and focus will shift. Hopefully, as things open back up and um, 
I don't even like saying that phrase. When things go back to normal in like a year and a half from now, um, I'll I'll have a different view on it. Obviously, I'm gonna want to play a show if I see bands playing shows. I'm gonna right, play of course. But right now, I don't. Like I don't. Do you? Yeah. Do you, do you feel like playing a show right now? Um. Yes. But but <laughs> the thing that is. I think for me, the reason why I'm getting more impatient, it's not so much about me going to play shows as much it is as it is that I've been continuing to work in the music industry writing mm-hmm. for other artists. And like I was just talking about, releases have just been stopped. Mm-hmm. And for people that don't know how like that works for writers is writers make most of their money from royalties Mm -hmm. from songwriting Mm -hmm. and if the songs aren't out i can't get royalties (laughs) so i'm getting a little impatient with that right because i have a bunch of songs that are ready to go but no one's actually ready to release them which i totally understand and i wouldn't you know pressure them into doing it but it's frustrating um doing all this work and be and, and it's stuff that i'm proud of too and one, not not ha- not being able to release it, and two, not being able to make money off of right. it. Right, right. Um, I understand. So that. that's where my like impatience comes from. Right. It's just the industry. Just I want it to just continue moving. Right. <laughs> but that's not the that's not the hand we were dealt. No. Then- well, you know, it's the hand that we created. <laughs> what do you mean? Like, this whole thing didn't have to be like this. Oh, no. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> like, it's that's what's frustrating, is it's not like a hand we were dealt. No, I know. Like, if, um, <laughs> one of my favorite bands in, from Australia, this band called Middle Kids, they're playing shows in theaters right now. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, from the pictures, you can tell, like, they're socially distancing. Yeah. It's not like a packed room. Um, but still, it you, you think about the kind of measures they took versus the ones we didn't. And we're like, fuck like we could. Yeah, man. I mean, and you can even, if I'm, I don't want to get preachy about anything. Cause I, I, this is not the place I want to do it, but I don't, I, you can even take it a step further and being like, it just, the, that this disease just didn't have to even exist. Like we created it in the in the way that we like let's go do factory this. farming and all no, that let's stuff go you know this. i think it was man-made <laughs> are we gonna talk about the, the the laboratory uh the lab leak hypothesis hypothesis oh um, boy no we don't have to go into it although <laughs> although uh, just to be clear i'm not definitive it one it doesn't do me any good to think whether or not it was it was man-made or yeah or, the, yeah because you're right I, you I, I know you're very passionate about uh, um, what's the term? I don't want to say veganism, but it, that's the term. Well, I, I know you're passionate about that, but I don't want to discount like the actual. I'm just passionate about if I if 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 you were to sum it up in just like animals, negative shit. Oh. <laughs> like I'm I'm just pa- I, I or or um I'm passionate about um st- preventing the the pleasure or preventing pleasure at the expense of a victim Mm -hmm. in, in any way Mm -hmm. in, in not, not just with food or whatever. Like that's the stuff that, 
that bothers me. And, and I, and I see that happening, you know, in, in at a, at a scale now that's preventing me from doing my job. <laughs> if that's indeed the way this virus came. About. No, I'm not even talking about that, the, the food thing anymore, just in general gain at the expense of others oh. is preventing me from doing my job because the way people are handling everything. Oh, right. Okay. I see what you're saying. Yeah. Well, I mean, we, it's fun stuff. We just got to wait it out. There's nothing else. Yeah, I guess so. That's all you can do and get some shots soon. Yeah. What do you think about this? vaccine they have do you honestly know what i think here's my thought process when when i want to know your honest i I know you too and you're going to be disappointed with this my thought process around the vaccines and this is the only thing i can think of is that i hate shots (laughs) i fucking hate them i don't want to get it like i'm gonna get it but i heard that it's it's two rounds Mm -hmm. and that it can make you feel pretty shitty after each one and I just don't like the idea of someone stabbing me. Okay. That's not something to be disappointed in. I, I'm i not disappointed in it. I, I Oh, are you saying because you would be disappointed? Yeah, I, I was saying you'd be disappointed because it's not some like – Oh. <laughs> it's not an actual take yeah. on anything. It's just me being scared of shots. No, because I, I understand that. I hate getting blood drawn. Like I, I, oh, I dude. Get, it's the worst. I get really bad anxiety when I know I have to go get me a blood too. test. Me oh. too. But – Anyway, so that's my thoughts on it is that that's the only thought I can have on it is just that I'm scared of getting shots because I'm, you know, I'm 30 and it's normal for a 30 year old man to be scared of shots. That's reasonable. We veered yeah. off hard. I don't even know where we I are. I think I'm 31. I'm 31. <laughs> I'm not 30. I'm 31. <laughs> I just, I'm, that was that was totally authentic. <laughs> Oh man, that hasn't <laughs> happened to me yet. Well, dude, it will happen to me at some point. I'm like, I'm closer to 32 than I am 30, 30 now. <laughs> <laughs> That's gonna happen to me. I'm gonna be like, fuck, how how old am I? Yeah, um, it's pretty weird. Everything after 30 is just 30. Well, I just turned. I recently turned 27, so. No, oh, you got a little bit. Yeah, I still feel like the young one out of the bunch because everybody mm-hmm. I know is 30 plus. Yep. You are. Yep. You're the young guy. I'm the young one out of the group. <laughs> um, All right. Well, look, we've, I think that covers music history stuff, right? Yeah, I guess. Did we do it? Doesn't kind of, cause we went off on so many. My music history doesn't matter. Tangents. It really doesn't. Well, that's why you're here. So <laughs> <laughs> no, it matters. Unless you want me to just ditch this, no, and I just won't. No, no, it. no. I, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> no, I. You know how I am, man. I, I, I don't think it's self-deprecating, but I, there, to some degree, I'm like, dude, everything I've done doesn't matter. Okay, so I, you know how much I relate to you on that. I know, and like, I, it doesn't matter, and and it's cool that people care about it, but like, I don't feel like I should gain much from people caring. Yes. Okay. That's that a good way sense, to put it. Right? Yes. That's a good way to put it. That's why I, I don't go on cameo and I'm not, you know, like I don't, I don't care that people do it and I don't look down on them for it. It's just weird for me to charge money for someone to put my face in a camera. Yeah. And 
that's a whole nother conversation about where we are with social media and how people are monetizing fucking anything, um, or right. at least trying to, but, um, I, I don't know. Cause I don't want to discount if anybody is interested in, 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 in what you and I have been through or more specifically what I've been through, I don't want to make them feel bad for being interested. I'm just from, my, well, from- dude, the thing, when you say nothing matters though, you're, I, I see through that as not you saying like, why do you care about this? It's more like, like take everything I'm saying with a grain of salt. Like if you want to do this shit, like you don't have to follow my exact steps. Right. Right. Like, dude, the last one we did, like I got messages from people saying how like educational it was for them because we talked a lot about like what it was like starting off. Right. True. Right. Yeah. And I, I think I even said in that episode, like, I hope it brings some value. And I think that's what it is. I think I see so much out there on social media that just doesn't seem valuable to anything. It, I don't know. To me, it's, it's like the, the, the digital equivalent of a, of a shitty plastic toy. Um, Dude, I, I found a video today of a guy getting his head waxed. <laughs> <laughs> I just see how much stuff isn't serving anybody of any real value. Um, right. And my heroes are now people like Eric Weinstein and Sam Harris and, um, yeah. Yeah. And, and a number of others who, who it's just conversation stuff. It's right? conversation, but that really brings value to my life. Like listening to these people, right. to certain people talk about their experience and whatever they've learned academically. Well, th- those names, they're people that like, they don't have patience for bullshit. Exactly. And that- right. Like it's not like the news where you have to weed through a bunch of like feel good stories right. and then scandals and then this stuff. It's like, no, I don't have, I don't care. And I'm not, I don't have the patience to entertain your weird takes on shit. Like let's just talk about, concrete things yeah some let's talk about things that are really important and so since that's what i'm striving for now when i talk about my musical history and my the past i I, i'm like fuck did any of this really matter to some degree i know it did but now i'm like i i just i think from where i stand now i'm like fuck i don't know if any (laughs) of this matters but nothing matters you're so funny (laughs) (laughs) oh man Okay. Well, look, um, do you want to end with any story thing? Cause I know we kind of already did that last time. Yeah, My story wasn't very good. Well, do you have another? No, I don't. I, well, you can't just say my story wasn't very good and then not have my another one. Well, I don't remember the story I told last time. Um, I don't really. Oh, either. I, oh you told the story about getting a gun. Pulled yeah. On I told you. that one. That was pretty um, good. I don't remember. You, you told me last time, that you usually try to end with a, a like a touring related story uh, or that also involves pee. Well, it just happened to have been a uh, uh, um, a pattern. Well, yeah, and I don't even remember we what story seeing. I told. Um, oh, I think I told the story about Carlo getting really drunk and like me finding him on a bench at like six in the morning. Um, mm, oh, you know what story you could tell? Which one? Um, the one. <laughs> About Carlo in the Commons in Salem. <laughs> All right. I hope he doesn't. You don't have no, to. No, I, I hope. I don't think he'll. I'm, I'm sure. Have you had him on the no, podcast he won't yet? Care. 
No, I oh haven't. My God, you gotta have Carlo on. Um, you should. All right. Well, I'll tell this one quickly. Uh, we just got really fucking drunk. I forget what bar we were at in Salem. We did well. We went to Gulu, but then I went to a liquor store and just bought a thirty, and we drank on the docks yeah, in Salem. That's right. Like a bunch of teenagers. Yeah, and it was we. I think we even Googled it. We were on the docks that like the first people in the 1600s arrived at. No, no it was the it. It was like the first um, naval fleet thing or something. Okay. Anyway, Coast Guard, Coast Guard, Coast Guard. Yeah, super old stuff. Getting really drunk at mm-hmm. really old landmarks, and we got really drunk. It's a national park. We were getting really drunk, and. Um, my little brother was on tour with us and my little brother is close to Carlo because we all kind of grew up. Like when we first started Stolas, we were playing out of my parents' garage. And so my little brother was always there. And so he happened to be on tour with us. We all got really drunk. And you were staying outside of my we house. We were staying outside of your house because you wouldn't let us in. Um, it wasn't me. Yeah, you were, you were dating somebody who... My current girlfriend. You... <laughs> Yeah, she did. I guess she just didn't want a bunch of band dudes in. No, she had work in the morning. That's why I remember. Yeah, well, good thing we didn't stay because we were we were super loud. We were walking back to the van to sleep in the van, and um, I don't know why, but my little brother and Carlos started fighting. Like, just started. I think they started play fighting, just kind of as drunks, and my little brother took it as a real threat, and it's well. And we were drunk. Yeah. And <laughs> at three in the morning, uh, my little brother starts going at it with Carlo, but for real. And Carlo's reaction is to just start screaming at the top of his lungs. I'm getting my ass beat by a 20 year old. <laughs> just over and over and over again. But the thing that you have to understand about the story is that it's Salem mass. It's, it was what what it was probably summer, right? Yes, it was uh So September. so it was off season. Yeah, it was off season for for Salem, mm-hmm. not busy. And it was completely still, silent, right? Yeah. No one's out and we were in the middle of the commons, which is a park in the middle of a residential area. Yeah. So it was all <laughs> houses around us and it's completely silent except for Carlo. <laughs> Screaming, just shrieking. Was- like I cannot believe that the cops didn't get called immediately. <laughs> it was so loud. Like we it were all so the way down loud. the other end of the park. It was, so and it was loud. just. And we thought that was the funniest thing ever. I was. I. I don't know if I've ever laughed that hard in my life. Of Carlo actually getting his ass beat and just telling us about it while it's happening. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Yeah, that was really oh. funny. Yeah, it was so loud. And um and I think me and our merch guy Blake ran back cuz we were we were walking away from it thinking uh I was with yeah, you. Yeah, we were just like, "Oh, he's they're just joking. They're just messing around." But then when we ran back, my little brother was like, "Dude, you fucking hurt. You try to hit me." And I'm like, "Dude, come on." <laughs> you, you know <laughs> Carlo would never actually try to hurt you. <laughs> Carlo would never actually try to hurt anybody. Oh man! But um, yeah, and then we slept in the night. Ugh. I, by the way, I'm coming up on 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 two years of not drinking, and I. Oh really? Yeah, and these stories just make me think about how much I don't miss it because we that was like three in the morning, and I'm having the exact opposite 
What you want to drink? Reaction. No, it's like I don't really drink anymore, and stories like this are remind are reminding me why I liked it. No, well, here's why. I, <laughs> this reminds me why I don't like it, because I remember just being really drunk, trying to sleep in the van, and it's hot and it's muggy, and um, it's there's like six people trying to sleep in this. Uh, you can you remember my old van? It was very similar to the Venetia Vars van where we had boxes. yeah, so yeah. six people could comfortably sleep in there, but it's just hot. Muggy right. and um my drunk is turning into kind of a hangover in real time i could feel it in my body yeah yeah and yep, i'm yep, like yep. walking around at 5 30 in the morning salem massachusetts looking for like just anywhere to get some water um and yeah i yeah i just don't miss drinking it sucked i hated that that makes me not want to yeah every every time i think of it like a drunk story that involves touring or something i just think about how much i don't miss it just because it the last time i drank i um threw up behind a taco bell sign in a drive-thru <laughs> where in new york when i was with donnie and alan and ken oh, you just because i had i got f- first class with donnie uh-huh. which meant i drank a lot but there was no food i could eat <laughs> at the airport because i'm vegan and there was restrictions right right and so then when we got off the plane, I, we went to Taco Bell and I got out of the car while they were ordering oh, and went behind the sign and threw up. And then they just kept going. Oh. Like they ordered their food and went up to the window and some guy got out of his car because it was a packed drive through and was like, bro, did your friends just fucking leave you here? <laughs> yeah, dude, I have so many stories of getting drunk at Voodoo. Same, same situation. There was another... There was a time where we were we were recording the last Stolas record, and me and Mike Watts and a group of other people we all went out and got really drunk on tequila, and you know that studio. So in A, the studio A, there's a couch, and mm-hmm. then right outside studio A, there's another like waiting room area with another couch. Um, we wasted a whole day uh, with me on one couch and Mike Watts on the other because we were so hungover from the night before that we were both just laying there, both trying to wait for the other person to kind of get ready to record. And neither, neither of us did that until seven thirty PM. Oh, and we God. would end our days at like 10 and we, we tried to start recording and we both looked at each other and we're like, this isn't happening today. And which album was this for? Stole us. Stole self-titled. Um, That's hilarious. So, yeah. And, just wasted i i can't tell you how many days i feel like have just been wasted because i was hung over um and yeah. i don't know if you've ever felt this but where a hangover bleeds into like a second day so yeah the actually the first time i had that was this most recent one where you're like hung over for two days yeah and it was weird because i didn't drink that much hmm it, it was just because there was no food in my stomach and it just made me sick. Yeah. Like I never really got drunk, hmm. but I had like a two day hangover from it. The last time I think I had a two, a two day hangover was when I was drinking a lot of wine and then the wine ran out and all we had left was tequila and vodka. Yeah, dude, that'll do and, it. Wine, tequila and vodka. Yeah, and <laughs> drink a whole bottle of wine, wanted more. So I started pouring myself some tequila and then realized I hated tequila. Oh, I love tequila. And 
and, it, and all this alcohol is cheap alcohol. None of it's like high quality. So plastic bottle. Yeah, everything. Oh, bottom shelf. Bottom shelf wine, bottom shelf vodka, and bottom shelf tequila. And I mixed all three over the course of like two hours, and um, was hungover for. This was like two and a half years ago now. Um, but yeah. Yeah, it sounds bad. Yeah, all that stuff makes me realize how much I don't. I don't miss drinking at all. Plus, I don't really miss that much at all. I I never drink anymore. Plus, that was the last time was like over a month ago. So when we were in London last, um, when you remember when me, you, and Carlo went to that bar at like three in the morning? Yes, I was drinking a non-alcoholic beer, but because of that that environment, everybody drinking and everybody having a good time, I started to kind of feel that rush of that you kind of get when you start drinking, um, and. So it's really just the environment. Yeah, I you. feel like I get a placebo effect um, by drinking non-alcoholic beer. I get that. That's cool. Um, huh. So Interesting. Out. I think I even told you, like, even the next day I felt a little, you kind of feel like this hangover, even though you weren't actually drinking. Um, did I even get drunk when we were there? I don't think I did. I don't know. But that was another one of those sleepless um, touring adventures where... That was fun. Metal Joe was there. Yeah, he was cool. The guy that drove us around. <laughs> Metal Joe is our, our just random driver dude. Yeah, who watched our set from the front row. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. He was Funny cool. guy. Yeah. Anyway, we're at 140. Yeah, we should probably wrap up. Yeah. All right, well, we'll wrap up then. Okay. Okay, well, dude, thank you for coming on. <laughs> this was good. Again, this was even longer than the other yeah. one. Crazy, I, I dude, I I feel like our conversations can just go on. I think so too. I think like I could keep going. We don't. I don't want to because I think people would be bored. Right. But no, I, I absolutely one thing could. I want to try, and whether it's on this podcast or just in general, I know um, we kind of have these conversations. But I feel like our convers our non music related conversations are interesting. You want to just record one of at them at some point, whenever I, it doesn't matter when, but. I'm definitely Maybe down. we can prepare a topic where we talk about something specific. Cause I know you and I are fans of, of very similar, um, yeah. Podcasters yeah. And, and, and topics and, and that we find that are important. Um, right. Like, what do you think about free will? Oh man. <laughs> let's not get into it. All right. Let's, we'll start another episode right now. No. <laughs> For three hours. Here we go. <laughs> Just kidding. We don't have to go into that. It's really pretentious. Yeah. <laughs> the the wrong the wrong outlet for it. We go from P stories to talking about if free will exists or not. <laughs> Just be really we're we're both of us diet Sam Harris. Right. <laughs> we're really metal Sam Harris and you're post hardcore Sam Harris. Anyway. All right. We're good. All right, dude. Well, I'm going to stop recording. Cool. Um, but again, thanks for coming on. Can you share the name of your podcast one more time? Yeah. So it's a podcast with my mom. It's called um, Sergio Medina and Mama Cecilia. It's kind of a bilingual podcast. She speaks a little bit in Spanish. She does her best to uh, explain things in English, uh, but whatever she can't, um, she'll say in Spanish and then I'll immediately translate. And uh, it's just her getting her stories down on recording. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really great, and I'm looking forward to episode two. Thank you, Thank you for listening um, to that and allowing me to fuck it Yeah, here. of course. Of course. Um, sweet. All right, cool. Well, dude, I will see you hopefully soon. Yeah, see you soon. And um, 
yeah. Stay safe. Thanks again. Thank you. Hal Schwartz. And I'm Flynn McClain. We want to tell you about our podcast, None But the Brave, which is dedicated to taking a deep dive into the work of Bruce Springsteen. We're currently in our fifth season. Our latest episodes focus heavily on Bruce's 2024 tour and have featured such guests as Anthony Castrovince from MLB Network and Barstool's Kirk Minahan. We're also covering the 40th anniversary of Bruce's biggest record, Born in the USA. And as part of that, coming up this week, Uproxx cultural critic Stephen Hyden returns to the show for a fascinating hour-long conversation about his new book. There was nothing you could do. Bruce Springsteen's Born in the USA and the End of the Heartland. To listen, you can go to our website, mbtbpodcast.com, or subscribe on your preferred podcasting platform. We hope to see you further on up the road. Thank you so much. We'll be seeing you.